episode of breaking mayberry it's it's a show where we talk about the andy griffith show i don't i don't know what you want from me people we don't have to do the tagline every time right like we don't it's a we talk yeah you guys it's two guys talking about the andy griffith show you get it you've read the summary on our itunes page or whatever unless you came here from like one of our recommendations from an unironic Andy Griffith Show podcast, because I did notice that. Spotify is now in the, you might also like, recommendations for us, recommending people who actually love the Andy Griffith Show and love to talk about it. And I did not consider that possibility. I am so down for us to be in an Andy Griffith Show feud. Like, I am, like, I want some guy who actually looks like Andy Griffith to just hate us and talk shit on us constantly and we get in like a a a tv land network feud i would be so on board one of the recommended shows on spotify underneath us is baby boomer talk radio where it's just a guy who interviews like people who used to be on baby boomer shows but not like pop like real main characters and that's about as far from what we actually do as possibly can. That's get. our nemesis. Like that's yeah. like do or do you enjoy listening to the Fantastic Four? Why don't you check out Doctor Doom? Like that's the antithesis of the thing we're doing. Oh, all hail Doomcast. I would 100 but what would a Doomcast even be? Would it just be like how fucking cool is that cloak? It'd be Welcome to Night Vale, but it just talks about how great things are in Latveria under our glorious leader, Doom. (laughs) Our glorious, benevolent, genius leader, Doom, who is also somehow handsome. This went off the rails. Anyway, I just want to point out, like, if you're... If you're coming to us from a Spotify recommendation or from our Instagram page that we started using, just to be clear, we are two northern Yankee socialists who make fun of the thing that you love. Continue (laughs) at your own peril. Welcome, come on in, we're going to be very mean to you. Also, if you're over the age of 40, we're probably going to talk some shit. Yeah, just lay the table. Dan, I had a weird encounter this morning that I want to talk about before we get into today's episode of The Andy Griffith Show. Tell me about your weird encounter this morning, Marty. So, I was downstairs in the, like, lobby vestibule area of my apartment building, and I was waiting for a lift, and... The mailman came in, mm-hmm. and he's he answered the door. He said, so I want to set the scene. This guy comes in. He's an older uh, man, probably 50. Looks like Ron Perlman. Picture Ron Perlman is doing this in a mailman costume. I'm so <laughs> on board. You've painted oh, a compelling word picture. And this whole thing that I'm about to tell you takes about eight seconds. So mm-hmm. he opens the door, says thank you to me, and proceeds to scan oh. in the mail. And I have two thoughts. My two thoughts are, why did he say thank you? I didn't do anything. And I wonder if either of those packages are for me. And then he turns to leave. 
And as he turns to leave, he looks at me and says, something on your mind? And I go, oh, no, I just didn't think so. And then he leaves out the door. I don't know if I was, like, staring at him and he wanted to challenge me on something. I don't know. Like, some guys are just always looking for a fight. But this is my mailman that I've had this awkward encounter with. Like, he thinks I'm an asshole with a staring problem, and I think he's a weird dude who wanted to fight me in my lobby, and I'm going to see him again because he comes to my house every day because he's my mailman. That is such a weird interact. Like, he thought that you were challenging him by staring at him? This this last... Like, a couple of seconds, and I'm staring at him because he's standing directly in front of me, holding things that could belong to me. That, his wife, like, just left him. That's the only possible explanation. Uh, It was so weird, man. Some dudes are just always ready to fight. It was really just the, like, the bard kind of, you got a problem, bro? You got a problem? Like, that's the vibe that happened extremely Philadelphia situation and I'm extremely sympathetic, but now I'm sort of imagining like it kind of got me going on a a tangent of uh, what if Ron Perlman was a news, uh, was a mail carrier. And then that kind of got me on like, man, if you could clone any living person to just have various jobs throughout society, I'd want Ron Perlman. Oh, it should be Ron Perlman. Like you could clone, like just like you would just like, randomly disperse Ron Perlman's throughout society and it would make it ex- extremely better. And let's let's like, not use this to like put down the noble men and women of the United States Postal Service. You'd do a wonderful job. This dude was just having a bad day and it was a weird encounter for me. And then he just kind of wanders off and there's the thing, there's like five other houses on my street. I never saw him again. I looked out my door and he just disappeared. Do you have that thing where, like, after someone, like, like tries to get in an altercation with you and you don't get in an altercation, where, like, you simultaneously, like, sort of feel bad for not getting in an altercation? But and, Yes! And then I'm glad it, it, that you, you didn't get in an altercation, and then you feel kind of bad for being glad? This happened that, ten hours ago, Dan, and I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, because even, like... Even when you do the sensible thing and don't get in a fight with a mail carrier, you still, like, feel weird because you did, you like, by being the more sensible person, you did lose that game of chicken. Uh, I, I didn't even know I was playing. I got the words out, no, I just, and then he was gone because we were at a door, I should point out. Like, that is 90% of altercations I get in is like someone's like, hey, fuck you. And I'm like, what? What's happening? I'm confused. And they're like, yeah, I won this moment. And then they walk away and I'm like, uh, I right. I didn't consent to if I'd known that we were fighting, I would have probably made a decision on if I want to fight you. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, you just lost a game you didn't know you were playing. Yeah, like come back here so that I can decide that no, I will not fight you. And yeah, then I- I'm in control. I want to chicken out of this fight on my own terms, thank you very much. Yeah. But it's it's you got you had a drive by altercation. Yeah. So that was a weird thing and I I wanna point it out. I don't know. Maybe we can say chest. that that's 
it had to get off my chest. Maybe I can say that that was a very Barney Fife type thing to do. No, this was know. just podcast therapy. This okay, is the fair. thing that everyone let's, let's, opens with. Let's get into today's episode of the Andy Griffith Show, though. Marty, I'm so fucking mad at this this episode, and I don't know why. Speaking of podcast therapy, I'm probably going to work through some shit, because yeah, we, I fine. need to figure out why this episode pissed me off so bad. Uh, we are doing uh, Season 2, Episode 17, The Jinx, written by Jack Ellenson and Charles Stewart, directed by... Season pass holder at the Taxidermy Museum, Bob Sweeney. Guy who stares at the fast food menu at the register for too long every time he goes there, Bob Sweeney. We should point out those two Bob Sweeneys were actually given to us by a commenter from one of our episodes. David, thank you for the comments, David. If anyone else wants to send us your Bob Sweeney suggestions, please do. We'll do them if they're good. We won't We won't do them if they suck. We're not going to make any promises there. But if they're good, we will plagiarize them. Yeah, we'll take those from you. You can leave those in a comment or send them to us on Twitter at Break Mayberry or any of the other ways to get uh, at us uh, on the internets. So here's the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy tries to help a Mayberry resident end his apparent bad luck and convince him that he is not hexed, as many of the townspeople believe. That is not at all what happens <laughs> like that is a gross misrepresentation of an extremely weird series of events where basically the town forms a bitchy lynch mob uh and then god shows up and also joins the lynch mob it's weird let's get started okay yeah uh so our opening scene is at the barber shop where Barney is playing checkers against Floyd? Floyd. Yeah, he's playing che- he's playing checkers against Floyd and there's a couple of dudes watching the game including this guy Henry who is uh standing behind Barney. And Henry looks like human like, sorrow. Like he's <laughs> such a sad-looking man. It looks like he was like stitched together from like old pieces of cloth he's like he's the shape of a penguin the perfect shape of a penguin in in like nightmare before christmas terms he's like if sally and oogie boogie had a child you could store your groceries in the bags under his eyes and he has just the saddest mustache right who's the painter that made the sad clowns it's like that but he's not got any clown makeup this dude is pagalachi he he just looks like he should be crawling out of a hole in the ground in an in like a 70s sci-fi movie just the epitome of human sadness uh so just get that image in your mind of the saddest man yeah, as long as we're we, i think we've made ourselves pretty clear on the sadness of this guy God, uh, he looks like an illustration in a shell silverstein poem ooh yeah uh, nailed it. Uh, yeah, so he's just hanging out over Barney's shoulder, just watching the game from there, just going like, ah, cool, playing checkers. And Barney's like, get, get, oh, get, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna psych me out by being over my shoulder. It's bad luck to watch over someone's shoulder, which, first, no, that's not a thing. Uh. It's not a superstition. Yeah, that's not, he, this episode makes up a lot of superstitions which doesn't seem necessary because there's a lot of superstitions. Yeah, yeah, they get 
vaguely racist as well. Just like, but not towards any particular race, just towards about the idea. It's it's a weird thing. I did right? not catch the racism when it... later on this episode, Barney's reading a lot of like magical books about superstition and how to cure yourself of a hex. And I don't like I said, it's not towards any specific race, but I got a lot of like. Oh, those mystical Orientals, or yeah. like the Gypsy folk, and there, yeah. You know, so it's nothing's ever specified, but it is just a weird kind of like taking from the other magics. So I don't know. It, it's weird. It's like, kind of like that ancient aliens racism, where it's like sort of omnidirectional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's just like it came from not Whiteville. Yeah. So yeah, other right. other. Uh, so Barney loses this checkers match against Floyd. Floyd whoops his ass with like a triple jump. After he makes a big deal out of the fact that he needs like time to really think on his choices. And like, like everyone's like afraid to talk during Barney's turn because he'll freak out. And then he like makes a big deal out of making his turn. And then Floyd just immediately like wipes him out. And then he basically flips the board and throws a fit. Real fun guy to play games with, that Barney. Love this guy. This this is such a fun character to spend my afternoons with. Uh, Love it. Can't wait to tune in to see Barney Fife just be really uh, belligerent. And then none of this is funny. There are no jokes. Like, he's not doing bits. Uh, There's no, like, zippy one-liners. He's just cursing out his friends because he lost out at a game of checkers. He he because Barney cannot take blame for anything because nobody ever tells him he's doing anything wrong. Uh, Barney says this must be Henry's fault. He calls Henry a jinx, and he comes up with a bunch of other examples of like times people fucked up and Henry just happened to be there. Okay, so he the first time the first thing he says is. I lost the checkers game because you were behind me and you touched me and you jinxed me. And come to think of it, uh, Virgil Haas was playing our big baseball game. I don't remember like what kind of baseball game it was. If it was like uh, their, uh, their team against a rival town or whatever. But, I don't know. I think like a church softball league or something. Yeah, whatever. And Virgil Haas was pitching a no hitter. And then he came in for water and you clapped him on the back and he immediately uh, threw a home run. Andy enters, and after this, Floyd then jumps in and says, like, hey, I'm going to corroborate this, because one time there was a Little League game, and a a foul ball went under the stands, and you threw the foul ball back, and right after, uh, the kid hit a pop fly, and it went to my son, and my son dropped it, and it must have been because you dropped the ball, to which Andy replies, hey, your son is fucking terrible at baseball? Uh, your son sucks ass, man. Come on. Your son is a worthless little turd out on the field, and you know it, Floyd, you prick. <laughs> he, he he just, like, straight up calls out Floyd's shitty, shitty son. And Floyd is like... Just merciless slams on an eight-year-old boy. Andy is... I'm, I'm pretty pro-Andy. If anything, all the instances of Andy being a savage dick, I wish he went harder. Because basically what they're all doing in this moment is just saying like, hey, so we just decided that you're a jinx. So what we're going to do is we're going to take all of our personal failures and things that we're insecure about. And we're just going to arbitrarily say that it's your fault. Yeah, they pretty much go like, he's a witch, burn him. The Floyd thing 
is particularly the the product of a deranged mind because all right so henry throws the ball back from the stands how is it that it jinxes floyd's son and not the kid who's hitting or the pitcher Uh, anyone else yeah, yeah literally anyone else so floyd is just like oh yeah no i feel better about my relationship with my son that's been cold and distant because he's bad at baseball now because it was your fault uh so all just this really insane situation right off the bat. And they all just basically gather around and like, you're a jinx, you're a jinx. Um, until Henry storms out. I, just to remind everybody, the youngest person in this room is 43. Yeah, like, these are old ass men. Uh, yeah. And on his way out, uh, Henry calls Barney a sap, which is simultaneously a great and infuriating moment because he's like, you know what, Barney, you know what? You're a sap and you all suck. And then he like storms out. uh, And Barney uh, sits there perfectly still waits until the door is closed, waits two seconds and then yells, who are you calling a sap? Uh, Just reinforcing that he is in, in every possible thing, a coward. Really much like me and my mailman this morning. Oh yeah, that was a real Marty scenario that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he he also kind of froze up in the face of actual confrontation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this scene pissed me off so bad. I think it's just like I I always get really annoyed like in anything where a bunch of people arbitrarily pick on one person. Uh, it always used to like really right. piss me off on like Nick Nickelodeon shows and stuff like that. But yeah, it was like it was bullying. Like they bullied this dude. They bullied this like sad dude. Like that thing on the playground where everyone gathers around the weird kid and points. Floyd's being a toady here. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. Floyd's being Floyd is consistently through this episode, the fucking devil. Like, Barney is an asshole. Floyd is like manipulatively like escalating this situation constantly. For no benefit. No benefit whatsoever. He just likes seeing pain. He's the devil. Someone warned us back in season one that Floyd is the devil. And I see it now. He is pure evil. He just makes... Agent of chaos. He just makes everything worse for no reason. Uh... But yeah, and then uh, Andy chides all of them. He's just like, this, this is superstitious bullshit. You guys are, uh are being dicks floyd backs up barney and they get into like a debate about whether or not superstition is real like like uh barney pretty much just goes well facts don't care about your feelings like he he ben shapiro's this and really does he's like i'm going to take three unrelated bullet points and from that i'm going to draw a, a sweeping conclusion about the nature of the universe uh Good Ben Shapiro voice, Dan. Was that? I I don't actually... I have no idea what he sounds like. That's just what I assume when I see his face. Yeah, I've never... I've done a really good job of never hearing Ben Shapiro speak. I mean, I only heard Jordan Peterson speak out loud very recently. Yeah, I had to hunt that one down because everyone talked about it. He really does sound like a voice. But he's he's not even a top-ranking Kermit voice. Brett Easton Ellis has the reigning Kermit voice. We're going to get some fucking hate letters from this one. Yeah, we are. We, we, 
they have the whole debate. The room decides that no, Henry is in fact a jinx and should continue to fuck himself uh, and be to blame for all of their lives' problems. Uh, Andy rushes outside after calling them all jerks uh, and hatches his fishing plan. Uh, right. Yeah. So because it's because it's the Andy Griffith show, everything is solved by fishing. Everything goes around fishing. It's the only topic of discussion. Uh, Barney apparently can't have sex unless he's caught a fish that day. God, that's that. Yeah, it is. It, it is like the. I'm, I'm only slightly exaggerating. No. I'm only slightly exaggerating what actually gets said. Yeah, that is heavily implied that if Barney does good enough at fishing, he gets to have sex tonight. Uh, and it is like. Like, if they do, so the plan is that uh, Andy and Barney have a special fishing hole where they catch basically infinite fish, uh, which, how big is this fucking lake that these people are operating on? Like, it's, I, there are so many fishing spots and fishing locations and different fishing, like, locales. This lake must be a fucking ocean. And they stand up in the lake later on, so it can't be that big. It's not No, deep. what is this? It's so, like, yeah. they have just a sunken continent next door to their town. So anyway, the, the fucking lost city of Atlantis is nearby. That's fine, yeah. whatever. Uh, this is, there's like a big annual fishing derby on the first day of, like, fishing season. And that's going to be this weekend. And Barney and Andy always win. And by always win, I mean they've won the past three years. Yeah. Andy's plan is that he's going to have Henry in their boat with them, hanging out with them, and they're still going to win, and that's how he's going to prove that Henry is not a jinx. Barney, of course, does not take this well because he's worried because his sex life is on the line, essentially, because he's got a whole plan. After they win the fishing tournament, he's going to take Thelma Lou, maybe Juanita, who fucking knows? He's going to take Thelma Lou home, and they're going to have a candlelit dinner, and they're going to listen to those Cole Porter records that makes her feel a certain kind of way. And then he's, so, okay, okay, so can you, in what possible world do you think Thelma Lou would give a shit about how many fish Barney had caught, and it would influence how horny she is? No chance in hell, right? Who knows? No. Zero. So it's l- Zero. Oh my god, Barney Barney Fife is the guy who's holding a fish in his yeah. profile. <laughs> Marty, Marty, <laughs> listen, to get an erection, Barney Fife needs to have caught enough fish. So he basically needs to have been victorious over other men so that he can go home and have sex with his girlfriend. So... He is upset because this is the one time a year where Barney can maintain an erection. Because <laughs> she doesn't give a shit. It's not like he, he goes home and, and he's like, can we have sex, please? And she's like, how many fish did you catch? Did you conquer any other men? Then no. Like, we've seen Thelma Lou. She's down. She's good. She's just kind of hanging out wondering why he's afraid to kiss her. Uh, she's just like hanging with this little dork because she's waiting for him to put a child in her. 
I know we've said this before, but Thumbelou, you deserve so much better. So much better, this poor woman. Um, but yeah, so we've gotten a brief window into the dismal reality of Barney Fife and Thumbelou's sex life. That's awesome. That was a great that's feature good. of this episode. That's good. That Love that's it. that's that's information that's in our heads and now is in all of yours. Yeah, and then like Andy and subscribe. And- yeah, please, please. You, I, I'm sorry. How many times have you imagined Don Knotts erect cock this week? Wasn't high enough. Let us help. The next scene is basically so that scene closed. Andy doesn't give a shit that Barney's mad. Okay, um, so as we before we describe what happens next, I just want to like establish what the writers have established because what they've done is they've basically said, uh. Barney has whipped up irrational, superstitious nonsense about, against one guy. It's And they have Andy come out as, like, the voice of reason, the Lisa Simpson, and say, this was really mean what you did. It was also really dumb. You guys are making a mistake, and you're being dicks. So the, the show firmly establishes that what Barney and Floyd did was bad. Uh, so you the, the next logical thing would be for maybe them to get some sort of comeuppance. Maybe the it gets reversed and everyone decides that Barney is the jinx. Something like that. What instead happens is that they cut to the lake where, because Henry is in their boat, they are not catching any fish whatsoever, and then the boat sinks. Uh, so basically, the writers then say, like, Bart, he is in fact a jinx. So it is like this weird mid-episode twist where just God shows up and just agrees <laughs> with Barney and Floyd. It's literally it's a it's a Deus Ex Machina situation, but God emerges from the machine to just be like, "Yeah, you know, fuck him, fuck that." Like I'm with these idiots. Like he, it's it's a, but it not even like. It's not even a coherent moral because it's such a weird thing that happened that doesn't make any sense within the logic that's already been established that it's like it's like God emerges from the machine and is just and is just like, hey, I think we all agree that Hitler is bad, right? Well, I'm definitely on board. Definitely agree. Anyway, Hitler has 5000 puppies now. All right, I'm going back into the machine, and we're like, wait, what? Or, so does that mean you're pro Hitler? And he's like, no, no, definitely, Hitler's still bad. But you know, I gave him some puppies. All right, later. It's it it's so like the show establishes that this thing is bad, but then reinforces the thing. I don't really know where to piggyback off of that. Mm. Um, good point, Dan. You yeah. fucking weirdo. Yeah, it made me it made me really upset from like a storytelling like perspective because the writing in the Andy Griffith show is so bad that the writers are a character because you can just find the points where the writers just show up and go like doing this this happens now and it's it's like the um the pen in 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 that Daffy Duck Looney Tunes thing where the artist is Uh, fucking with him like, and it turns out to be Bugs Bunny and Duck Amuck, yes. Yeah, the writing is so bad that you can literally just see the when the writers are doing a thing. So it kind of creates basically this weird situation where the Andy Griffith show has a god and he's 
two dipshits who are way in over their heads as writers and are just fucking up so bad. So the Andy Griffith show basically has an idiot god. Uh, we should point out that Dan is having an existential crisis and we are not 10 minutes into the episode. So, okay, so the next day, like, Opie comes into the jail uh, and Barney's reading a book of spells. He's, like, reading, like, counter magic and he wants to, like, come up with a charm or something that he can use to ward off the bad juju that is emanating off of Henry. Including the... You know, very real, totally not at all made up for this show, uh, an actual thing that happens in society uh, superstition that you can rub a red-headed man's head for good luck. And then it specifies, if you cannot find a red-headed man, a boy will do. Which is a very weird thing for that book to point out. <laughs> Why would that be in that book? Like, was it like I want to know. I want to know how it was listed. Was it in parentheses? Was it a footnote? Did he like have to go to the appendix to see? Oh, oh, okay. Can I use a boy for this? Like, yeah, no, it's uh. It, what yeah, kind like, of fucking just, book is this? There's just an illustration of a redheaded man, and then next to it, a redheaded boy. <laughs> like, why would why would a redheaded child be any easier to find than a redheaded man? Yeah, like also that's a weird assumption. This isn't like baking soda or baking powder, right? Like, also this the writer of this book is being grossly negligent because he's basically saying like, "Hey, uh, superstitious lunatics." Get on down to that playground and touch some kids. Like, go, like, oh, are you worried about your taxes this year? Like, bust onto that school and touch yourself a redhead. Just get up in that head. Go get up in that ginger scalp and then go bet on the ponies. Bug-eyed lunatics, go nuzzle some redheads. Fucking go for it. Jesus Christ. So, they actually established for, I think, the very first time that Opie is, in fact, a redhead. Yeah. Uh, So, he's like, so... Like Barney says something like, "Oh, well, I guess it doesn't get any redder in that ginger top of yours." And I was like, "You know that this is black and white, right?" And also, like, why are you phrasing it like that? That's so creepy. Like, like your head's so red. Ugh. Um, but and then uh, Opie's like, "Why are you touching my head, you weird person that my dad inexplicably lets around me?" Barney then explains the premise of the episode so far. Quick recap in case you came in late during the commercial break. Yep, yep. That Henry is a jinx. Uh, and he's like, but don't tell your dad. And because. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. Who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think? This is the town crier. This is Opie human loudspeaker Taylor you're talking to, my dude. Opie doesn't even try. He is a singularity through which all information becomes louder. Like, he is just a vessel by which information is disseminated to all of humanity. We didn't need the internet in our days. We just had Ron Howard. (laughs) Who couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut. You specifically, Ron Howard, come at us. Come at us, Ron Howard. Just get some, old man. We're calling you out yet again on our podcast that you will never, ever hear about. Um, take that, director of many movies I haven't seen. <laughs> take take that, the director of Rush, that movie that starred Thor. But yeah, oh yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. It was fine. Uh, Andy enters, and Ron Howard just immediately screams. Every he's like, "Hey, 
Oh, do you know? Here's the last scene. Yeah. This is what happened. And the last scene. Just going to recap this. Yeah. Here's my recap of the recap. And Andy's like, okay, why does Opie know about jinxes now? Uh, And Barney lies and just says like, oh, you know, kids hear stuff about stuff. Uh, And Opie's like, he, he told me, man, he's this guy. He right here. This this fucking guy. This fucking guy. This dude. Uh, and Barney, yeah, so, uh, Barney's a fucking idiot. Um, Let, let's just keep going. Let's just move on. Andy yells at Barney, whatever. He says that he's going to prove him wrong at the fishing derby tomorrow. The uh, next day we go to the fishing derby. Yeah. Uh, so. And so it's it's Barney and Andy and Henry, and they're hanging out in this boat, and they're not catching any fish, and Barney's doing a fucking like chant he does so many other stupid fucking chants two <laughs> stupid chants like dude, they're not they don't rhyme they're not like limericks he just oh they, they, they kind of do they, they kind of do here they like half rhyme i i've got them both here if you would like to hear them because they are in fact on the ultra reliable mayberry wiki drop that shit um, Drop that fire. So Barney, Barney's sitting in a in the rowboat, not really helping them catch fish, rubbing a rabbit's foot, and he's saying, "I'm I'm not going to do a fucking Barney five voice of this. Come fish, come, come fish, come. Sam's at the gate with a frosted cake. Come fish, come. Fly away, buzzard. Fly away, crow. Way down south where the winds don't blow. Rub your nose. Give two winks." Save us from this awful jinx. Okay, so it's not really like Oriental mysticism. It's probably like way more like native uh, magic, but it's still like very weird. It's- and then there's one that's just gibberish. It's Winkum, Pinkum, Notamus Rex, protect us all from the man with the hex. Which must be said while reaching your right arm over your head and touching your left earlobe with your eyes closed. Thank you for including that detail. Ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki. I honestly don't think this is coherent enough to be racist. Like, I, I think I'm going to debate you in it because, like, racism at least has to have some vague basis in the current, in like the culture. Like, this is just nothing. It's just such like absolute drivel that it can't even be racist. Like, he's. It's not even like. Like Native American, he's just saying stupid words in a re- like he's failing to do a limerick, and then someone wrote this down and then put it on television, and then I watched it. Uh, but yeah, and then after this, Andy starts to catch the biggest fish he's ever seen, proving that the jinx isn't real, and uh, then the boat sinks. And as we mentioned before, they end up in, like, up to their ankles in water, which, how the fuck were there fish here? Doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's very weird. Also, I should point out, like, how much do boats cost? Because this is the second boat we've seen Andy go through. I mean, they're not, like, big boats with motors or any shit like that. Also, out of... I, wait, yeah, boats sink all the fucking time on this lake. Like, constantly. These aren't high-quality boats, man. Yeah, they're... He has caught a criminal with his knowledge of how shitty all the boats are. Yeah, so what the living fuck? The Bermuda Triangle is basically in rural North Carolina. <laughs> they just have a boat graveyard at the bottom of this very shallow lake. 
the lake is actually 40 feet deep. The reason they can stand up is that they're standing on all of the boats. <laughs> There's just the holes of 500 boats that they're just, like, hanging out on. They've just created, like, the fish have a rich underground city of boat skeletons that they're all hiding in. Uh, and they're just, like, catching, like, the stragglers who can't afford to live in this rich metropolis. There's, like, this redneck lake mermaid up where they walk, up where they run. <laughs> do you want to do any more of that, of of red of Jeff Foxworthy Little Mermaid? <laughs> no, I, th- I think the, the point got across. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, yeah, so that super infuriating <laughs> scene happens where the writers just, like, shit themselves they 15 minutes 15 minutes into the episode ladies and gentlemen the the it's writers have more minutes left it's oh god this game yeah it's so bad because the writers just like it's not even a twist because a twist is like it makes sense like the twist like is something you should have put together uh, with everything that you saw beforehand, but weren't smart enough to. This is literally yeah. just them going like, oh, that, that episode that you thought you were watching? Fuck that episode. We're doing a different show now. Guess what, motherfuckers? Jinxes are real. Uh, all that stuff that the reliable Lisa Simpson character told you about Jinxes being dumb? He's a fucking idiot. Buckle up. Uh, and now we're in this new reality. So we're back in the barber shop, and... Floyd is making fun of Andy for losing the fish competition because his boat sank. Uh, and uh, Andy was just like, yeah, the boat sank. Boats sink all the time. And then Barney like tries to scientifically prove the existence of uh, hexes using some fucking anti-vaccination okay, bullshit. Okay, I, I got those. I got his facts ready to go. Um, okay, do it. There are atmospheric rays which control uh-huh. bodily motions. No, but all right. Negative or hexing qualities get between you and those rays. Are you following me here, Marty? Rays. I'm, I'm with you right now. There's negative and hexing. There's ra- okay, so so basically for this to, I have to believe that there are rays in the atmosphere, chemtrails, mm-hmm. if you will, which can control my body. So sure. Uh, neg that negative energy causes static between you and the rays, and it jars successful motion. So basically, uh, atmospheric rays are controlling your bodily motions like a puppet, but when someone has negative energy, they block uh, those marionette strings and give you bad hand-eye coordination. Does that make sense? Does that... Atmospheric rays. Can you can you say that again, but in an Alex Jones voice? Uh, there are atmospheric rays which control bodily motions. Uh... Negative or hexing qualities get between you and them rays. Static that jars successful motion. Folks, the the hexers are getting between you and your rays. You need your rays to be able... I I gotta take my shirt off to really do this. (laughs) Oh, this is everything I imagined it would be. Folks, they're taking your rays. They're taking your damn rays. You need those rays for fishing. Yeah. I should, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I did, I did take my shirt off 
and it did help. It did. It did get better. Yeah. It did work. I, okay, I gotta put my shirt back on. Uh, so basically, Barney's buying fucking Mike Cernovich brain pills at this point. What was? I, I, was, I can't. I I, I want to do a Mike Thur, a Mike Cernovich voice, but then I'm just making fun of people with lists. Yeah. So yeah, no, the Mike Cernovich yeah. voice always sounds like you're doing a shitty like gay guy impression from the nineties. Like you're like yeah, you're but Don Leguizamo being a shithead. But basically, Barney is buying fucking like gorilla mindset pills. Okay. From this shit. So this like, scene very firmly establishes that if Barney was alive today, he would be a flat earther, a 9-11 truther, an anti-vaxxer. He'd be in Q. He'd be in Pizzagate. He'd be an ancient aliens guy. He'd be talking about the moon landing all the time. He'd be talking about JFK. And in all of those movements, he would be the guy that everyone wanted to chill the fuck out. Like... He would like he'd be like at in the moon landing forums, be like, "We need to assassinate Buzz Aldrin." Like he's spreading lies. Like the internet would have eaten Barney Fife alive. So so Aunt B comes in and she says, "By the way, we're doing a raffle for some reason, uh, and the prize is a I love this a portable TV." Which when she said a portable TV, I imagined, oh, like a little six-inch screen or whatever that you can put in the back of your car and gets a little... No, the portable TV is just a giant 1950s box TV with a fucking suitcase handle <laughs> on the top. She hauls it in. She hauls it in. I'm like, that thing's got to weigh at least 48 pounds. How could you possibly What the hell is this? That? Like, they didn't have outlets everywhere, did they? Like... What are they going to... Where is he going to take that? Out to the woods? What? It's so... It's such a weird, like, six... They got excited. They were like, we have TVs now. And and we're going to get ahead of ourselves and try to invent the smartphone. And really just invent a useless thing that no one needs. Uh, It's literally just a TV a night that they took out of the big wooden, like, frame and just slapped a fucking suitcase handle on, just screwed it in with a fucking power drill. Yeah, and and they have, like, a bit, like, they talk for a little while, be like, oh, that's better than the prize last year. And she's like, oh, yeah, the better the prize, the more people donate. What the fuck? Just stupid chit chat that shouldn't be in the show. Um, and then someone but called. They, they, they gotta set this up, I guess. Yeah. Like, because the raffle becomes the new like focal point of the episode. Guess what? Here's a new plot. Yeah, just third plot, just coming in hot, no setup whatsoever. Uh, and uh, then uh, someone looks out the window and says, uh, "Henry coming." Uh, and uh, Barney's like freaks out and like holds out his lucky rabbit's foot and demands that everyone touches it. Uh, and then he's basically burning sage and incense at this point, like to, to clear out the vibes of the fucking, uh, the fucking barbershop. So, and then he starts, like he gets everyone to pull their nose and grab their ear, but like, from the other side so that their arm is over their head. And he's like, if you do this, you won't catch his jinx. So the superstition is escalating. It's gone from like 
if you touch this guy, you'll be cursed to like, if this guy gets near you, you need to be doing like specific arm movements to not get his bad luck. Uh, they're about 48 hours away from stoning him to death so that their crops can grow. 100%. Like, this town sucks so much ass. Um, I, I want, like, I want this written as a horror movie from Henry's perspective. Literally, it is. <laughs> can you imagine if this happened to you? Where just everyone started blaming you for shit and, and you got, like, like you got, like, labeled as cursed? Like, it's not even a thing that is your fault. You, people are just like, you're cursed, man. Uh, that would have driven me fucking insane. Well, it's clearly getting to Henry, because he showed up to announce that he's leaving town. Good! Yeah. Rightfully so! He he should leave town, and once again, this is, like, the fourth or fifth time this has happened, they're getting their way. They're getting what they yeah. want. The jinx is leaving, but then they go, "Oh no!" And what we've gone too far. Andy fixed well, this. He also, what are you talking about? Henry explains his reason for wanting to leave the town, and it sounds hellish because he's like, "Oh yeah, no one wants to talk to me or touch me or be associated with me because they think I'm going to give them bad." Uh, bad luck so guys just real quick thing you made me a fucking pariah overnight thanks i'm leaving and he's not like like yelling at them he's like hey uh andy i just want to say goodbye thanks for being nice to me um i'm leaving town i'm leaving this place that i live i'm moving because you know like no one rents in mayberry it's the 60s everyone owns homes so he's selling his house because he's, like, been devastated by these fucking assholes. And then they leave, and they're all... And Andy starts dressing them down. He also says, like, I think I might actually be a jinx. You guys have convinced me that I am bad luck. So they're in this guy's head. Yeah. So he's like, everything... I have to leave because everyone in this town is going to constantly blame everything bad that happens to me. And also, I think I'm cursed. So they've, they've completely gaslit this motherfucker. And so then all of a sudden they go, oh, no, he can't leave. No one's ever allowed to leave Mayberry. The status quo must always be maintained. Uh, so Andy starts lecturing them about how they're jerks and how, like, they fucking ruined this guy's life. And Barney says, I didn't mean to hurt him. And Floyd says, we were having a joke. And Andy's like, well, you did hurt him and your joke went too far. And those things that they said are both fucking lies because Barney lies. 100% meant to hurt this dude. And Floyd was super not joking. Like Floyd was aggressively pushing the narrative that this guy was cursed. And Barney was lashing out at this dude because he made him lose a checkers game. Like, so, so what, what should we do? Definitely not apologize. No, God, Definitely no. not try to make amends. No, we need some wacky hijinks. Hey, remember that raffle? Yeah, let's uh, let's rig it so that Henry thinks that he's not cursed and that he has good luck, and then we don't have to talk about this anymore, and everything will go back to normal. God damn it, guys! Just apologize. Holy oh, shit! Literally. Okay, so <laughs> uh, they go. They establish very clearly that Barney and Floyd deserve comeuppance. They fucked up. They did a bad thing. They deserve some form of punishment, if not from like the characters on the show, but then like 
you know, story god. The the story should punish them. Like in any other show, like like Barney would fall into a trash can, or uh, or like yeah, yeah, like someone would show up and like throw rotting fish on Floyd. Like the sh- the story usually like punishes this behavior, but instead they do a convoluted thing where not only does that not happen. Floyd and Barney don't even have to admit fault because they haven't like Andy calls them jerks and they're like, oh, shoot, we didn't mean the things that we were doing that were correct to cause any harm. Fuck. So so their plan is they're going to put all of the same number in the hat that the raffle draws out. So everyone's got the number like 47 or whatever. But then everybody's going to pretend like they don't have it when the number gets called, and Henry will win. Henry will think he got the right one. So we're at the event. There, People are dancing. You have the note here that says, Cowboy Kid. We should point oh, out that, that the, like, kid whips cow- so much ass. <laughs> that kid rules. Okay. <laughs> so so there is that little like weird kid in the cowboy hat. We should point out is portrayed by Clint Howard, the uglier Holy younger shit, brother of Ron Clint Howard. that was Clint Howard? <laughs> That's Clint Howard. Okay, yes. Clint Howard is posing. He is dressed like a cowboy, and Clint Howard is posing like a boss. He is leaning up against a wall, like he is checking out the talent tonight, seeing who is good enough to fuck a young Clint Howard. He is like four, maybe, and he <laughs> he is. He is posing like he has the coolest car in town, and who wants to ride in it? Uh, I'm gonna try to make it the the like image art for this episode. God, too. That should be like that. Looks like a Weezer album cover. (laughs) (laughs) It's whip. I I gotta say, I'm looking at if there's one good thing about this episode, it's that it does make for some very amusing stills. There are some pretty good like frames, single frames. on the Mayberry Wiki. Yeah, no, uh, Bob Sweeney is doing his work. It is well-directed. It's it's always Ellison and Stewart. Like, they are not no, good they at have this. Been, have they just been writing all of season two? Like, is... A lot of it, yeah. Yeah, they are extremely shitty writers. Like, I'm honestly learning a new appreciation of good writing from how much these guys suck. So we get to the rigging of the, uh, the episode, or of the the raffle and they call the number and Henry doesn't have it. They call the number again. They're like, Henry, Henry, are you sure you don't have it? Henry, are you sure that? And then they do like, and everyone in the fucking room is staring at Henry. So yeah, remember everyone in this room has the same number. They're all pretending that they don't. So they're all staring at Henry going, go on, claim your prize. Henry does not have the number that he dragged out of the hat. Henry's number. Someone asks him is seven and a half. Because he got the tag that was the hat size. Yeah. That's something resembling a joke. I mean, again, it's this weird, like, is he actually a jinx or is he not a jinx? Like, are they being superstitious or is he actually a fucking jinx? I mean, he's actually definitely an idiot. Like, absolutely stupid yeah, as hell. No, that's... That definitely. It is, it is also an extremely pathetic scene. Because then they tell him that they rigged it for him they like hey man we rigged this for you to win the tv he's like okay so i am such a fucking jinx that i lost a contest that was rigged in my favor 
Um, I'm going to go home, probably kill myself. This has just been a low moment on what has been a week of low moments. Peace. And at the last second, Andy just like says like, well, hey, friendship. They try to wonderful life this. They try to be like, oh, but Henry, you have so many friends here. This whole town decided to lose this wonderful portable television so you could have it. All of these, all of your friends here just wanted you to feel good about yourself, so they gave up on this portable television. <laughs> this GE portable television with a whole four minutes of battery life. That's right, GE. And that's it. They're just, they're like, okay, well, you're, we've all got friends. They basically bully him into being their friend again. Yeah. Like... The whole crowd just, like, peer pressures him to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, they haven't and solved they, anything. They gave him a they, TV. Yeah, and again, no one has apologized, and to, they make it very clear, Barney still thinks that he's a jinx. Yeah. Barney has not changed his mind, and they show this because they tell Barney to drive Henry home, and he finds a redheaded dude and rubs his head immediately. Yeah. No one has learned any lesson... They basically just did a, they bribed Henry with, like, the prize from, like, like a tier one prize from The Price is Right. Nothing is better, nothing is improved. Uh, they just, like, papered over this gaping wound in this guy's life. It's great, I love it. I love how wonderful the writing is. I, this, is it the- Family television! Watch it with your kids. They don't make shows like this nowadays. It's like one of those shows where, like, the moral is that life is brutal and things are unfair and good things happen to bad people. But they're constantly acting like it's not. Like, they're acting, they're making, like, like Malcolm in the Middle and acting like it's Leave It to Beaver. If there's one thing I've learned about like conservative comedy and like like focus on the family type shit it's that anything can be granted family values even if it's like no matter how weird or disturbing it might be as long as you don't say any curse words then it's just like a good old fashioned television that the way things used it's to be it's literally just you know? a tone of voice like family friendly is just talking like this like just if you yeah if, like like Jeff Dunham is racist as shit, but he's technically a clean comedian because he doesn't say any swear words. If if you talk like this, you can just say the most disturbing, fucked up shit, and no one will register what you actually said. It's just soothing and pleasant to listen to. It's racism ASMR. <laughs> it really is. Oh, Christ. Yeah, no, so... No one has learned any lessons. The show, the episode doesn't make any sense. The episode doesn't, the episode is unclear on whether or not Jinx is a thing. Because, like, Andy repeatedly yells, like, Jinx isn't a thing. There's no such thing as a Jinx. You all are fucking idiots for thinking things as a Jinx. But then the show keeps, like, doing Jinx shit. And, like... So it's giving me like whiplash. Like, am I, what am I supposed to be believing right now? What is the logic of your show? Like, 
in this reality is their jinxes. Ugh, it's really bad. And then the singer is like the closest thing this episode has to 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 come up and where uh Andy and Opie are playing checkers. Barney enters, Andy loses and says that it's because Barney came in. Barney is a jinx. Uh Barney asks if they want to go fishing. Andy says that Barney's not allowed in his boat because he's a jinx. Uh, and then it rains. Andy says it's because Barney is a jinx. And then Barney just yells like, oh yeah, you're a real laugh riot. Why don't you go happen somewhere? He he literally says happen somewhere. It's really weird. And then that's the closest thing that Barney gets to like learning his lesson. He doesn't actually learn a lesson. He just gets mad. Like he doesn't, he's not like, oh yeah, now I get how it feels. He's just like, Ah, I'm angry. I'm angry and impotent. I didn't catch any fish, so there goes my erection for the year. Hey, you're doing the thing that I did to someone else, and it doesn't feel good. And I have no thoughts about that. I'm not drawing any conclusions whatsoever. And I'm just yelling. I'm standing here at point A, and point B can go fuck itself. (laughs) Um, I don't see any correlation between how I want to be treated and how I should treat others. What do those have to do with each other? The word treat? I'm Barney Fife. I see no line between those. Fucking shit. Okay, I think we've we've hammered this point to death. You wanna you wanna do some ratings? Yeah, let's let's rate this fucker. Uh so it's a two on the Andy meter because the writing is just atrocious. And that's literally just for Clint Howard. I'm giving him a two just for that, just for that two second shot of that cowboy ass kid. One sec, I gotta pull up the Mayberry Wiki just so I can see Clint Howard. Uh, I think I can drop. I'm gonna drop it into our chat. Fuck yes. Yeah, I know. I just gotta see this sweet, sweet cowboy kid. <laughs> there it is. Just fucking look at that prince. This badass little dude. Clint Howard was a cute kid. Yeah, I don't know what happened later on. Yeah, no. Development really kicked him in the face. So, two on the Andy meter. What are you, are you saying two, too? I'm saying two. Mm. And, like, for a FIFA meter, for how shitty this thing is, like, just, like, moralistically, like, this is one of the weirder, most nihilistic episodes of television I've ever seen. Uh, it basically posits that we live in a superstitious, like, occult-esque nightmare universe where there is either A, no god, or B, a god that agrees with Barney Fife on all things. It's so, Seven? In the Andy Griffith universe, after the crucifixion, God showed up and was like, you know, Judas made some good points. Like, it's it's so weird. It's this universe. It, it does establish that this universe is hell. Uh, these characters live in hell. It's a seven. Let's say seven because no puppies get kicked. But the the ultimate ramifications for how this universe functions are terrifying. Oh god. So so that's it for us in this episode. Uh thanks for everybody for listening and for supporting the show. Uh as always, if you want to support us with your dollar dollar bills, you can sign up on patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. Uh if you want to support us without those dollar dollar bills, which is perfectly understandable, uh you can Always remember you can like, subscribe, share us with your friends. Uh and one thing that really helps us is if you 
rate and review on the podcast catcher of your choice, but preferably on Apple Podcasts. That's really helpful for us. It puts us higher in rankings and helps us be discovered and found by other people. So and that's wonderful. Do it, Please we, do it. We do talk about you on the podcast for like five minutes. So yeah, you know. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. If, 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 if you give a review, we will talk about you and give you a wonderful shout out. Yeah. Um, on the internet, you can get in touch with us. Send us your ideas for Bob Sweeney's. Uh, we are on Twitter at Break Mayberry, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. We have an Instagram. It is Breaking Mayberry as well uh, that we have no idea what to do with. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at The Luds. Two of those Ds. The music you heard at the beginning was written by Max Ludwig. Well, not written by Max Ludwig. The re- music you heard was uh, recorded by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitter at Sleep Talkie. The music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Ask Again. I hated this. This is awful. We are recording some bonus content right after this, so if you are a Patreon subscriber, you will get us comparing this episode to an episode at least one episode of the classic nickelodeon television show hey arnold so if you're interested in that if you want to get in on that good good content sign up at patreon.com slash breaking mayberry that's right two plugs in one ending i'm done with this uh dan i think we're out of here i will see y'all down at the fishing hole y'all come back now Oh my god. Do you think Don Knotts erect cock looks like the incredible Mr. Limpet? <laughs> Everybody at home Google that shitty movie. Uh, Don Knotts uh Don Knotts turns into a fish and then kills a bunch of Nazis and then has sex with a woman fish and then end of movie. <laughs>